What's going on, guys? It's Rob Childs here with a fighter story, and today's guest is Dave Dolphin. Dave is a worship pastor and has an amazing story going through his testicular cancer bout and how he turned to YouTube to make something negative into a positive and bring a little bit of enjoyment to his life. We get to learn a little bit more about him and his career path, and I truly hope that you enjoy this and follow along. Thanks, guys. Diving into your life. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice little uh, little fun thing for me to do to kind of go through your YouTube channel. Uh, you have multiple YouTube channels, actually. Um, I do. I actually learned quite a bit about audio um, through watching them through you, um, which is actually nice because you're not trying to like sell anything like a, a lot of the other channels. Um, I also really enjoyed your newest YouTube channel uh, to where you're documenting your midlife crisis. <laughs> um, I was really hoping that motorcycle was yours. <laughs> so many people, so many people. And we, you know, I'd be lying if I said that we didn't, you know, intentionally do that. But, yeah. you know, the, the video starts out with me or, you know, a friend of mine pulling a motorcycle out of my garage. And then I do this, you know, this nice voiceover about just being a man in my 40s and all the normal emotions that come with that. And then, yeah, there's a certain moment where you realize I'm not the person because I'm actually some guy pumping gas watching this motorcycle go by but you know if it's not a motorcycle it's it's a it's a car if it's not a car it's um you know trying to dress a certain way if it's not that it's it's something there's just something about the 40s and i i thought that would i I think crisis is probably um probably too extreme of a word of whatever i'm going through but I thought it would be fun to like document it because I'm not the only one that you kind of get to this halfway point and you're like, it's, it's like a, it's like a football game, right? You go back in the locker room and you're like, okay, assessing where are we at? Do we like where we're at? Do we need to make changes? Do we need to, you know, make up some ground that we lost? Do we want to change our tactic, you know, and then go into that second half strong. I don't think yeah. that that's a crisis. That's just, you know, making the most out of life. Yeah. I, I've, I kind of feel like I'm in the same spot. I've I had a big medical mishap go on and I'm only 36 right now. So I haven't quite hit 40, but I've gone through quite a bit and I wouldn't call it a crisis. It's more of a reevaluation. Right. Um, I, I feel like I'm kind of trying to let that the inner child actually live, you know, like maybe it's time to to fulfill some of those things that I wanted back in elementary school, you know, so that's kind of uh, where we've been going with this podcast is actually uh, kind of going over everybody's story, uh, you know, kind of from the beginning to up to where we are now. And I thought your story was a great story. Uh, the little bit that we have talked and going through the deep dive. Um, I know that you're very involved in your church. Uh, you're actually mm-hmm. a worship pastor. Um, you did a very good podcast. I got I listened to that in the gym, actually, while I was stretching um great very well done podcast uh it was amazing to kind of see that how you handled that transition from one church to another uh very professionally um yeah it's something that i really admire and uh i liked how you went through everything um so i was kind of hoping that we could kind of take the journey of how you even got into the church um to begin with and then i know you had a little cancer mishap um maybe if we could get into that a little bit Sure. And uh, kind of where things are going after this big transition of yours into the new church and now 
your uh, midlife crisis and your son bought a sports car and maybe he'll let you drive. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, mean, I guess, you know, start at the beginning. Um, I, you know, I'm literally sitting in my office at the church. I am a pastor on staff and I've been, I've been that, you know, I've been in that vocation for a little under, uh, under 10 years, but I have also, um, I've worked um, in the in the publishing industry. I uh, led an entire you know production department as far as editors and graphic designers. And so, how do you lead a team of people that create things and help people create things? Um, I've worked in radio. I've worked for a couple of radio stations in the Oklahoma City area. It's so like, um, you know, I, I've I have bounced, and my my degree is in journalism. So like, I'm I am all over the map in terms yeah. of just all the things that I've done. So. Um, you know, I, I did, Indiana Jones. <laughs> you know, I, I, so I became a Christian when I was a, a senior in high school and, 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 you know, but then I, uh, continued on as far as like working vocationally, uh, in other different fields, like I mentioned, as far as like being in, 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 in you know, leadership and production and radio stations and all these different things. But I was serving in my church and enjoying that. And I've always enjoyed music. And that's always been like a big, huge part of, of, of who I am. And so I would naturally, I played drums and I played in the worship band. And so every Sunday, that's kind of part of what I did. And I would, I, you know, there's just, there's something that's inside of you that as you do this, you just kind of know that like you were created to do this. There's a, there's something that is electrified that is turned on when, whenever you do that, it's not a zap of energy. It's a boost of energy. And I got to a point where the guy that was, that was at this church um, would need to go on vacation and he'd say, Hey Dave, would you want to fill in and you lead the band and you lead the songs and you lead the congregation. And I would do that a couple of times. And I was like, Ooh, 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 I really like this. And so I would you know, I would do that. And there's a certain point you have to decide after a couple of years of this, okay, is this a hobby? Is this something that I, I just enjoy doing? Or is this something more, you know, uh, is it, a, is it a calling? Is it, is it, is it something that I was, was designed and created to do? And so I had to wrestle with that and I decided, okay, yeah. Cause here's the thing for those that, you know, that may not be in, you know, in the space, as far as like, you may not be, you know, you might not consider yourself religious. You might not, you know, have gone to church. And I feel like you can totally participate in this conversation without having like, you know, that, that's not a prerequisite. I don't think. Um, but you know, if you are, you know, on staff at a church, it is your vocation. It is your friend group and it is your church all wrapped up into one. And when all three of those are going great, then it's great. Like it's amazing. If any one of those is off kilter, if you are having a strained relationship with your, with your boss, with your leader, it affects your family. It affects your friend group. You know, eventually when I remember uh, in the short story is uh, and uh, and Rob alluded to this in, uh, you know, at the very beginning, there's a podcast I did where I kind of explained the story of high transition from one church to another. And I was I was kind of asked to leave. I was handed a piece of paper that said your last Sunday is um, and in that it that didn't come out of the blue, but there was there had been a strained relationship with a new leader who had come in. And the end result was, okay, we're, we need to part ways. Well, I remember the night 
uh, you know, this happened on a Monday and my last Sunday was going to be that following Sunday. So I literally have days to sit my family down and say, okay, this is our last Sunday at church. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got kids, I've got teenagers that have friends and, and I'm telling them, this is the last Sunday that you're going to, you know, to be at this church, not to say that like they couldn't go in the future or go to camp or, you know, or see them or whatever, but still like it, that whole thing of it's your entire world, it's your family, it's everything. And that one element of, okay, I'm dealing with a leader that the two of us just can't get along. Um, and it's ending with me having to pick up and leave. It changes everything. And so, and, and, and doing it in a very public way, you know, I have a, I have a position uh, in the church that's very forward facing yeah. and it was not uh, lost on me that people would see this. Like the, like I, I had to get on the stage with a microphone and tell people that I was leaving and I didn't want to lie to them, but I also didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt people. Um, and I didn't want to get in there and say, well, this blankety blank person, you know, is, is pushing me to do this. And if you only knew, I mean, cause that's just damaging. Mm. Um, that's, that's, that doesn't help anyone. I, now I wanted to, like even like that podcast that I did, because you know I I have a YouTube channel where I would connect with other you know other people in the church and other worship pastors. I have this podcast. You don't know how many times I wanted to get there and and make an episode or do a thing and just say these people need to know just how blankety blank jerky jerk this person is. And it almost seemed like you had a couple spots to where like I was waiting for it. And, and you didn't do it. And it was very admirable, I got to say. Very admirable. Well, there's even a, there's a story in the Bible that uh, where, where, where King David, and a lot of people might be familiar with him, um, you know, before he was the king, I mean, he was kind of running around. There was this guy named Saul that was literally trying to kill him. And there was a moment where, I mean, he's like running for his life. And there was a moment where, where Saul is literally, for a lack of a better analogy, he is on the toilet take, you know, doing a number two and like in a very, uh, precarious position. And, and, and David comes in, takes a little bit of his, of his clothing off and cuts it with his knife and shows him later and kind of waves it in his face and said, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And it's because he took the high road. And that's what I wanted to do. I, I, I felt like someone had handed me a bomb and said, don't blow up the church. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's a tough spot to be in because you just know that so many people are watching and, and, and now, I mean, that was many, many, many years ago. And I, I've been able to, you know, hindsight's 2020 and you're able to look back and say, okay, because of the decisions I made, I see the benefits. It was super hard in the moment to not say something to not, you know, people need to know and all the things that you want to do, your human flesh, just because I have credentials in my name and, you know, and I've, you know, not that anyone calls me reverend, but I mean, I guess you could, um, pastor, brother, father, whatever, whatever credentials you want to add in there, just because I have those doesn't mean that I don't have the same temptations that everyone else does. Right. Um, you know, it, the, the credential just means that there's a specific calling on my life and I'm trying to do the very best with that calling. That's all that that means. But there's still moments where you, you want to get back at. And, and I, I'm very thankful 
that that I that I didn't that I didn't give into those temptations. Uh, and there were there were a few, uh, but I've been able to, in hindsight, look and see. Okay, I see the moments where that could have really damaged a whole group of people, and and people know. I mean, and you know, it might take a little bit of time for the gas to run out of the tank. But if you've got someone that is you know, that is running around, that is making poor decisions, that is doing things for the wrong reasons. And I'm not saying that this individual did or did not, but, you know, but it sort of felt like it. it I mean, it only takes a couple of, you know, it might take some time for the gas to run out of the tank, but true, the truth comes out. You can't hide it forever. And so I'm just going to go on and live my life. And I don't need people. I don't have to stand up for myself. I don't have to make sure that everyone knows man, I did the right thing, that's going to come out. And that's what I felt like I learned in that process. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I like what you said at the beginning to where, you know, you could have different communities of people to where they may not be so much involved in a religion or a church group. Um, but how you found your calling is it just almost seemed like things just started being making sense more and everything was a lot nicer. And that's definitely something that I've tried exploring is it seems as soon as I start to do the right thing um, and the next thing that I feel is going to be hard but produce a positive result and I feel good about it that's kind of the path that I tend to take and the more times I do that it almost seems like a a path will open up um, and it just becomes a little bit easier um, and it doesn't feel as much like work anymore Uh, so with that that was kind of the hard part for me of hearing your story of leaving the church kind of going up to that part is you weren't just going to church on Sundays and saying hi to all your friends, shaking hands and, you know, giving hugs. That was your life. And now you are slowly, it sounded like kind of stripped of your responsibilities um, and essentially, you know, forced to be told to, to leave now from my perspective those were your people that's that's your family that you kind of had in front of you and now you're you're kind of forced to leave how do you go through that transition of it not so much being just a normal nine to five monday to friday job but you're you're kind of those they're under your umbrella it feels like um you do it very carefully and you know just to kind of give other pieces of the story, um, the tension that was going on between me and this other leader had been going on for a while, for almost a year. Um, and so at some point you kind of see the handwriting on the wall. And so I was already beginning to have discussions with the leadership at the church that I, I, that I serve at now. And so uh, you know, even when I, when we you know, officially made the announcement at the previous church, it wasn't a done deal. And I certainly, that was another layer of this whole thing. It's like, I, I knew that there were potential people that um, were here at this church that were, you know, trying to get to know me, make a decision whether or not um, that I would be a good fit for this church and for this staff. And things don't happen fast in church. Like if you, if you go to a job interview uh, at most businesses, you usually find out within a couple of days or a couple of weeks if you got it or not. Churches yeah. move way slower than that. Like it's months and months and months of trying to figure out if this is, is going to be a thing or not. And so we were having good discussions, but nothing was the done deal. And the last thing I wanted was someone to think, oh, he's so sure of it. He's already leaving this other church. Like he's, you know, he's just, he, you know, I didn't want that. Uh, 
But there, right. so there was a there was a, a a period of about six weeks where I was kind of in between, where I was no longer that you know, my identity. Uh, uh, I wasn't a staff pastor. I was many other things. I was a husband and a dad, and I was I was still a pastor and a Christian and a musician and an '80s enthusiast and all the other things that I would label myself. But for that moment. Um, I, I wasn't on staff anywhere and it was interesting, like on Sundays going to church and just going to church, like for the worship pastor, generally speaking, your, one of your, one of your responsibilities is the Sunday morning service, like start to finish. You're in charge of making sure that that happens and leading the people to do so. And so it's not just working with the band, but it's all the things. And you work with your, your leadership and other people that might like your senior pastor that would get on stage and, you know, preach the sermon and all that. Like you work with them and to make sure that their vision's being carried out. But as far as like running logistics in most circles, it's, you know, start to finish it's on you. And so when, when I come to church on a Sunday, like I'm in work mode, like I, this thing kind of rests on my shoulders a little bit. And there's a moment at like 1230 when you're sitting at the restaurant where you're like, <sighs> like you can kind of let it out for a moment. And so to be able to go to church for a couple of weeks with my family, with knowing that I walked in the room and it's like, none of this depends on me. Like none of, I just walk in and, and I can enjoy this time with my family. Um, I can enjoy this time where uh, I can just kind of reflect on um, who God is and what he might want to be saying to me that day through maybe the songs that we're singing or what the message is from the pastor. Like, but there's not that pressure of this is all dependent on me. Those were great weeks. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed those. Um, I enjoy what I do now. I mean, I now being, you know, and it goes back to the whole, I feel like I was created for this, but yeah, it was, there was a little bit of, a you know, identity shift. There was a little bit of, of course, you, here's all these phone calls too, right? Like, so, you know, you make the announcement and everyone wants to ask questions and, you know, people would email me or want to take me out to dinner or, you know, s slip into the DMs and, and want to know like, you know, okay, so really, really yeah. what happened? <laughs> and like, and again, like, it's, you know, you still want to handle all of those answers carefully. That podcast that I sent you mm -hmm. where I kind of told the story, is a year after the events took place because I felt like I was at a place where I, I could share the story so that it was not vindictive. It wasn't to get somebody, but it was to help someone else that was um, maybe not as for a long, further along down the road where they're yeah. like, okay. because um, when you're in those moments, you feel like you're the only one. You know, and it can be uh, being under a bad leadership. Um, it could be being in uh, in a bad relationship with maybe there's some domestic abuse that's going on. And um, and the thing about people that are victims in those kinds of situations is you feel you feel like you're the weird one. Um, you feel like um, you know you're the one that is doing something wrong. And when someone else shares their story and they share their feelings and you and you can relate to that, all of a sudden it's like oh. Oh, okay. I'm not crazy. I'm not weird. Um, and there's, I feel like there's a lot of power in the me too. Um, you and I connected uh, through a cancer group. Yeah. 
And, and there's a, you know, when you just as simple as like, here's my story, you're, you know, here's your story. Like there's a connection and it's like, Oh, I'm not alone. And I think that's super powerful. Yeah, definitely. I, (laughs) yeah, it is crazy how we have connected and not to get into like my life too much, but we live very, very different lives Um, without the power of the internet. Um, and the unfortunates of our Lincoln cancer, we probably never would have talked. Oh, exactly. Um, but having this, I've been able to learn from you already, um, which is amazing. Just I've been in that situation and I guarantee you I'm not the only one. And I know some of my listeners definitely have been in that position to where you are forced out of a position. Um, you've kind of made it your home and it doesn't even have to be with work. It can be with relationships. And just kind of moving on from that is hard to do. You have to really learn to let go. Um, I didn't know that there was a year in between. Um, yeah. From from that happening to the your podcast post, but that does make sense. Um, just it to kind of like be able to go through the emotion, um, work it out, and not have it be so raw with everything. Um, and then. Moving on from that, you've been able to continue YouTube channel. You've had this a new church. Now, where did you come from? You were in Oklahoma City, um, and I believe you're in Texas now. So actually, no. I'm no? actually no. I'm I'm in. Um, so the the I didn't I I didn't have to move. Like I still live in the Oklahoma City area. I actually oh, okay. still live in the same house that I did beforehand. It just happened to work out. Um, that instead of going west to work into church, I now go north oh, to work okay. for church. But it's about the same. And so um, I was prepared for anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I could have been called to Spokane, Washington, um, or Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, you know, I, but I was prepared for anything. But it happened to be uh, be there. I've been to Texas, um, but uh, and I have parents that live down there. But no, I was very fortunate that I didn't have to move or change or any of that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm not sure where that came from. I think it was one of your videos. Not quite sure. I, I, I did take my son in one of the videos. I did. We did drive down to Texas to purchase a vehicle. That's, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. what it was. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, so I want to get into how we actually did meet. Um so if you're cool talking about that, we, we met on a cancer group on Facebook. Um, I found Facebook is a great place for the group function. It doesn't seem to be as so much of like the Twitter era. It's more of, you know, to where you can actually connect and have a conversation with somebody around um, a certain topic or a exactly. hobby or an idea or a belief. Yeah. And that, that functions amazing. I have groups everywhere from flying drones to, jeeps guitars to you know now this um so i've been able to talk to some amazing people all over the place um and that's the big issue that i've had with talking with people maybe that's not even the right way to put it but people on the outside don't always understand the stories that we're really trying to tell and so through your channel you were able to be in a situation that nobody really wants to be in, uh, you know, walking into a cancer center, um, seeing those pumps and going through all that fear. And you had a video to where you took one of those pumps and you turned it into 
a video or a music video. Um, and it was really good. So I'm kind of curious how that whole journey started um, from diagnosis up till because it takes a minute. You, you don't just get that diagnosis and you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to go make a music video with a cancer pump or a chemo right. pump. You know, like there is some getting used to in that. Um, so, yeah, if you if you wouldn't mind kind of walking yeah. us through that and seeing, you know. So um, if 2020 was not crazy enough, um, I um, and it was was it, it was about a year ago. So give me a second as I collect my emotions, because I, I like literally am like thinking in my head, it's like, wow, this like we're coming up on the year anniversary of it. So I went to the hospital um, for one thing. Uh, I'll say it. Um, I thought I was constipated. Yeah. And I in in in. And it was going on all throughout the weekend. And, and so I, I, you know, it, it happened for a couple of days. We did a couple of like over the counter remedies, that kind of stuff. And then, um, Monday I took a nap and I woke up Monday afternoon. I had a fever. My wife is a nurse. Okay. And so she, you know, if you, if that is your issue and you now have a fever, that means your body is shutting down. So if these, all these things are true. And mm -hmm. so my wife's like, we have to go to the ER. And so we go to the ER and we go in there. And of course it's crazy busy. And of course it's still in the middle of COVID and lockdowns and taking temperatures and all the things that were going on, you know, this time last year. And so it was, it was pretty nuts, but, um, but super generous, great staff. I mean, the, the experience with the hospital was phenomenal. It's just, it was busy. And so, and I remember they kept coming back and taking like more blood, um, it, it, I didn't notice at the time, but like, you know, it's like, why, you know, we, we were there for so long, but I just, I just figured it was because it was busy and, you know, because the issue that I came in for the first thing they did is they did an x-ray of my abdomen area. And then they said, okay, well now we want to get a CT. And like, still, this doesn't seem crazy. Cause I'm like, okay, we're still trying to figure out, like, I just want a better picture of what's going on. So I got a CT. And so we went into the hospital about like, I don't know, six, seven o'clock or whatever. It was after one o'clock and they finally get us back into a room up to this point. They had only been seeing me in, uh, and like, uh, like the, the, like the pre area where they, they do like the initial kind of screenings and yeah. stuff like that before they actually send you to a room. Yeah. And so they finally get us back to a room and, um, and they say, okay, well, the good news is, is that you, you're dehydrated um, and you've got a, a stomach bug, nothing that antibiotics and fluids can't fix. However, while we scanned you, we found a thing and we're going to admit you into the hospital for that. And, and so like, whoa. And the other part of the, of the, of the deal is, um, well, no, I, I don't want, I don't know if I want to share that part. Um, but I remember my, my wife's there with me. And, uh, and again, because of COVID and everything, and it's one o'clock in the morning, they, they wouldn't let her be in the room overnight. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, so I, I literally within 15 minutes have, have been given a cancer diagnosis. I don't know what kind of cancer it is. I don't know, you know, you don't know longevity. You don't know anything. You just know there's the size, a thing of the size of a tennis ball pushing up against your ureter between your bladder and your kidney. And, um, and we need to, we need to get more information. And so she had to go home and I am sitting there, uh, in, uh, in a very dark, uh, hospital room, like kind of wondering, you know, um, uh, uh, how do I, um, 
sorry, let me, let me get, gather my thoughts here. Uh, no, no, take your time. So I'm in, you know, I'm in, in this hospital room and it's, you know, it's dark and all the things and my wife's not there and you just get this, this cancer diagnosis and, and, and all the flood of things that happened there. And, you know, like I said earlier, like I, I've been a Christian since high school and, you know, and my vocation is tied to this. Like, you know, if there's ever a thing that says I'm all in, it's, you know, I'm on, on staff at a church, man, when you're in a hospital room with that kind of diagnosis by yourself, like you have some very real conversations with God. You're like, okay, I know what I've read. I know what I've seen. You know, I, is this for real? Like you have to, like you get to like a real place in your faith when you deal with that. Um, and there was some, like some pretty, you know, it was, and it wasn't even necessarily like, you know, is it true? It's like, I so desperately wanted it to be true. Um, but it's like, but is it because I mean, am I going to die next week? I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. And so, um, turns out it's testicular cancer. It is, a, you know, one of the, uh, the highest probability of treatment, like positive treatment. Um, but there is, you know, there is, um, you know, treatment, there is rounds of chemo that I had to go through. You had to, you know, I had to do a biopsy, you know, you have to get a port put in, you got, there's all these different things. Um, I had testicular cancer. So there's one other operation that had to happen. I'll leave it at that. Yep. And so, um, my, my life's an open book, dude. Um, and so, uh, you know, but all of these things that kind of go through. And so I, I, you know, it, it, it does, like you say, like it does take time to go from diagnosis to, uh, to treatment, but it does happen a whole lot faster, you know, cause it just, you know, it just goes like, it feels fast. Yeah. And I, <laughs> there are moments where you're like, how did I even get here? Yeah. I know for me, it, uh, so I was kind of in the same spot. I had already had a cancer diagnosis, uh, before the pandemic and everything, I've kind of been dealing with it. I went anemic, um, and got a new oncologist and we ended up getting on a clinical trial and through the, I feeling better up until a few months ago and slowly got worse, ended up in the hospital. And again, had to do the same thing you did, you know, with my significant other, she wasn't allowed to go with me. Yeah. So we're kind of doing the zoom or the FaceTime calls, you know, in the doctor's office, trying to get information. Um, I actually had to fly to Minnesota and go to the Mayo clinic um, and do all of that just for a diagnosis in I've learned one thing through through these podcasts and having conversations with people is that what we do for a living doesn't define who we are. Um, it definitely raises our ego. I know for me, it's if I have that title of, you know, oh, hey, my name's Rob and I do, you know, it kind of it goes with it. Um, since everything, that stuff doesn't seem to matter as much anymore. Yeah, and it does. It, it does reshuffle the priorities. Yeah, definitely. And for me, um, I know like in our kind of talks beforehand, I've never been much of a religious person, but I found out kind of in those alone times you're talking about when you're scared, it's it's you yourself and whoever else you want to put in the room, you know, at those times. And uh, that's kind of when I, I realized that I've already had a relationship with God. Um, I just didn't really have definitions for it. It was... When I got cut off, if I wanted to like, you know, how could you do this? At least somebody was listening, you know, um, when I'm kind of going for a walk and having thoughts in my head or 
I, I really want to accomplish this. And that's kind of where I've been able to put my, not parameters, but kind of be able to define it for me to be able to say that I do have a God, you know, I do believe in God. Um, and taking away all the other constructs has kind of allowed this conversation to happen, which for me has been amazing. Um, and I feel like we also, with the cancer thing together, and I know I'm stumbling a little bit, it's kind of all over the place, but uh, um, we minimalize everything. I know I minimalize everything to where I've actually gone into the Mayo Clinic, into oncology, which could be, you know, one of the scariest places you have to go, um, depending on your perspective. And it just, you got to have a good mindset. Um, but going into those places can be very scary. And I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but um, yeah, what was I going for? I don't know. I, I know that we minimalize things. That's what, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I've walked into these rooms and felt like, why am I here? You know, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I've seen people, you know, in wheelchairs and, they've lost their hair and I haven't. And I'm very, very blessed to have not had to have that happen to me yet, but I almost felt like I, I didn't belong. Like I wasn't sick enough um, until I've kind of had these conversations with people. And then the me too thing happened, um, which is a great thing. Cause that's, that's a big statement that you put out. And when you said it the first time, it was weird for me to hear it. Cause I'm, I'm used to people hearing it from, you know, oh, something bad happened to me. And then, oh, me too. And this one up process in, in the negative way, right? You have taken that perspective flip, like you've done with a lot of other things. And you've taken that me too, and turned it into a positivity to where you can see somebody else and be like, oh, that's happened to me too. And let me, you know, share my experience, kind of show you what I did to get out of that. Um, so how have you been able to go kind of move forward from everything? Yeah, like even like that video that you mentioned earlier, as far as like taking the the sound of the medicine pump, and of course I'm a musician, and I immediately everything's everything's rhythms and everything's you know songs, um, and so I hear that, and being a nerd, I'm like, well, I mean, okay, I think that you know you, you pull out your piano app on your phone, I'm like, okay, that's a B, and then it goes down to this, the, I think it's like a G sharp, so that's one to a six minor, hmm, um, and so. I had this idea to do this and I was like, I'm, I'm just sitting here because the way my treatment worked is the first, uh, the first week of every round, I was in the treatment center all day, every day. Mm. So that's just, I mean, that's just what I did all day. And then of course you're exhausted. So you come home and you're, you're, you're tired and all the things. And so I was like, I like to create things. I'm always, you know, whether it's a song or music or working with a band or a YouTube video or whatever it is, I just enjoy creating things. And so I came in the next day with this idea of like, well, I've got, I mean, I've got nothing but time in my hands. And so, and this will give me something to do and kind of keep my mind off of it. I, I'm just, I, I'm just, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as far as, oh, this will be a fun thing to pass the time. And yeah. so the second day I actually sat there in logic on my computer, the, the, the software that I used to make music and uh, you know, and I sampled that in there and I started kind of creating the other instruments and made this thing. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then it's like, well, I want to share this with people. If I'm going to share it, you know, the best way to do that is through video form. So it needs a music video of some sort or a YouTube video of some sort. And so the third day I, uh, I shot all the video for that. And then I put, put that, that stuff together. And this is all for me just to like 
pass the time and to create something. Well, mm-hmm. I put that out there and, 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 and I, I didn't put it out there to do this necessarily, but so many people were encouraged by that. Uh, like you're like the story you mentioned is not, you know, is not abnormal. We're like, you know, in what seems like would be a scary situation or a bad situation or, you know, a situation that would make you angry, you're sitting there making a song out of it. I mean, if there's ever, you know, a definition of making lemonade out of lemons, it's that. And, um, and people seem to be inspired by the added, the positive attitude that I would bring into it. And in, in, and not to say that I didn't have moments of being angry or frustrated or scared or fearful or all, all that, but you know, you, you may, you may not be able to control the things that happen to you, but you, you can control how you respond to them and, and how you choose, you know, you can, you can be fearful of something, you know, if anyone who's ever like skydived or jumped off a cliff and I'm certainly not that guy, but if you're standing there, you know, even if it's a diving board, the, the, you know, the high dive at the pool, there is that moment when you're standing over the edge and you're like, what on earth am I doing? Yeah. And you have to kind of overcome that fear and jump in the pool or, you know, jump out of the plane or whatever the thing is like you, you know, it's not having fear. It's okay. In the midst of the fear, what do I do? Well, in the midst of the anger, what do I do in the midst of the frustration or the, whatever it is, what do you do? I made a song out of my medicine pump. And that's, I think why, you know, I've done the things with, you know, YouTube, the original for the first YouTube channel was specifically for people that do music in the church and just kind of talk, talking very technical about music arrangement and the equipment you need and the software you need, and just kind of helping that. Um, When I went through my cancer diagnosis, I started kind of making these vlog videos um, to kind of share just what I was feeling, just sharing my life. Um, if I was scared, I said that if I, you know, I did lose my hair and I didn't like it. Um, I didn't, I, I was super self-conscious, um, about that. And I, I, I said as much and I shared that, um, again, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. And so, um, with the first channel, I felt like I, that had had run its course in terms of its what it needed to do, and so I kind of put that on pause. And it's probably an indefinite pause. I don't know. I might pick it back up, but I thought, you know what? I like sharing aspects of my life. What if I fired up another YouTube channel and kind of shared that? And I'm, I'm a guy in my mid forties, and so what if I just tongue in cheek called it documenting my life crisis? And it can be about raising teenagers. It can be about, you know, these are, it's pretty new. And so I haven't delved into a lot of areas, but, you know, we will talk about my cancer diagnosis. You know, we'll we'll talk about, you know, my marriage to my wife. I've been married to my, to my wife for over 25 years. It's been the best seven years of my life. Um, That was a joke. You can laugh. Um, That's her joke. That's what she says. So, um, but I, you know, I think there's a lot of value in being able to be open about this. This is, this is where I'm at. It's not perfect. It's not all the things like, you know, if you watch the, 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 I haven't mentioned this yet in the video, but there's a couple of times I go through the garage and then like, there's a big fat couch just sitting in my garage. And it's like, at some point someone's going to go, dude, when are you going to get rid of the couch? That's like taking up all the space in your, in your garage. There's, there's one video where, you know, it, the bathroom is a mess. There's a, a can of paint in the corner and a little, little 
pots, you know, of, of paint where we're trying to figure out, do we want to change the paint color? Like it, I don't necessarily address it in the video, but it's just like, this is life. Just like, you know, come in, you know, there are moments that you invite people over to your house and you clean and you vacuum and none of that's bad. Like that's, that's being hospitable. That's trying to put your best foot forward. It's the same thing you do on a first date. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is, it is kind of nice to kind of walk into, you know, like there's those people that you go over to their house. You've been, been there a couple of times. You look up to them and, you know, and, and, and it, the times you've come over, it's been to like have a nice dinner or whatever. And everything looks nice and everything's put together. There's that one time you need to kind of come over and like pick up something like, you know, you're going to borrow some yeah. sugar or a shirt or whatever it is. And you come in the house and it's messy and you're like, oh, it's so relieving because they're just like me yeah that's like this person that you look up to that feels like they have their life together and it's not that they they don't it's yeah. just that they're you know they're just as you know chaotic and crazy as you are and it's like i think there's a value in that and being able to say that this is how how it is and oh i don't have to you know ascribe to this unrealistic standard because we're all flawed people we're all messed up we all have these idiosyncrasies we all have these personalities every single personality um to the nth degree is a liability if you're super organized that can like myself that can be a problem if you're the life of the party at some point that becomes a problem but just knowing that you know in that you're okay. And I would argue as, as a believer and as a Christian that I would, you know, that, that there's, you know, you're created designed that way. I know not everyone shares that belief. And I think again, to be a part of this conversation, you don't have to agree with that. And that's cool. But, um, but I think that there is, you know, it, it works together. And I think that it helps us to rally together. There's strength in numbers. And so anytime, like you jumped into that Facebook group and you said, Hey, you know, anyone want to share their story on a podcast? And I'm like, Ooh, 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 me. Cause yeah. I just, I like being an open book. Cause I feel like it helps other people. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, one thing, and then I can let you go. You're, you're me too. I, I really love that. Um, I love you've changed my perspective on how I actually look at that. And I'm not looking at it so negatively anymore. It's, it's a, it's a positive thing. And you're talking about your vlogs and the videos with the can of paint and everything that actually, for me is it's being vulnerable, you know, just like these conversations, being able to tell people your truth. That's, that's, that's exactly what I'm going for is trying to get that truth um, for myself and from other people, because you can scroll through Instagram all day. I, you know, you want to give me 10 minutes, I'll set up a perfect shot, you know, next to somebody else's car on the beach and post it up and, you know, it'll look amazing, but then that's not real life. You know, that having a can of paint in your bathroom, that's real life, you know, like vlogging when your hair isn't done or, you know, like there might be a McDonald's wrapper in your car, you know, whatever it is to actually get out and put yourself out there, be vulnerable, um, that, that makes it so you're you, you know, you're Dave Dolphin, you're not this, the brand, you're an actual person, you know, that we can communicate with. And it just adds another layer of comfort to be able to know like, oh, I as well have a can of paint in my bathroom, you know, trying to figure out the colors and everything. Um, That one project that I will get to eventually, but I haven't (laughs) yet, but I will maybe. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I I, I think every guy has 
at least three to five projects we want to do and then 10 other ones nobody knows about that we really want to get to in the future so and 20 that your wife wants you to do yeah yeah those are yeah those have to come first it's yeah don't always want to do that's that. that's marriage 101 like that's relationship 101 yeah that's a podcast i need to find i'm engaged about to get married i believe next year we're getting close to setting a date so I got to really start picking up on some of these tips from, from people like yourself that have been married for 20 to maybe seven years. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave, it has been amazing. I want to seriously thank you for coming on, um, kind of showing me a different perspective. You have taught me a lot and hopefully uh, other people can learn from your story as well. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put your YouTube channel and everything um, in a description. So maybe I can get some of my followers to come over to you. And uh, yeah, any last words or not last words, but any uh, any final words before we let you go? No, I think this has been um, a lot of fun. I appreciate you reaching out. And it's, you know, it's like you said, it's it's kind of unfortunate that we met through what is kind of at least on the service, a negative thing, you know, as far as like a cancer diagnosis. Um, but uh, we humans, man, we got to pull together. And so. Um, I think that that's, that's strong and, and it's good. And it's been neat to, to get to know you and your story and, and all the things. And I, I love the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable with your life and, you know, you're putting content out there as far as like what you're dealing with and struggling with. And, and what's really cool is because in some regards, I might be you from the future. And, you know, when you get that DM, when you get that email where someone says, Hey, because of this thing that you shared, I I'm doing my life differently. When you have that positive like fingerprint on someone else's life, like that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we need more of that in this world. Yeah. I think it's, it's that resistance, you know, even, even daily I'll do a podcast or a video before you hit publish. I'm 36 years old. My family's going to see this. Like what, you know, this is, I'm not a kid anymore. What am I doing? You know, and you start self doubting and right. as soon as it goes up and, you know, it's just, all right, it's there and you just go with it and it's slowly you change that, that mindset. So yeah, this is, this has been fun, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great getting to know you and kind of diving into the world of Dave Dolphin. And it's a, it's not a world that I ever thought I would dive into. Um, but I loved it, man. And I'm going to keep watching your stuff. Um, I love your style. You have a very good editing style on setting up all those shots takes a 10 minute walk and turns it to a half hour walk. So, <laughs> uh, if there's anything that Casey Neistat and Peter McKinnon have brought into the world, it's, it's how to teach people with a camera phone, where to put their, put their phone so that they can get the right shot. Oh yeah. I just can't watch Peter McKinnon's videos. Cause I want to buy all those expensive cinema cameras and do the slow motion B roll and everything and all the things, ooh, all the things. So it's been an honor, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dave. And...